Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now at DraftKings. Right now. Right now. Right now, Taylor. Now! Get in on the action! (laughs) The leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the the code THPN during sign-up. And don't forget to bet on Garrett Cole. Wow, you're darn right. I I said that about baseball season. (laughs) (laughs) You said millions with an M? That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of cheddar, Taylor. Bet on Garrett Cole during basketball season, you morons. (laughs) What do you not get about that? Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, Taylor, here we go. You may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain by betting on Garrett Cole. So with DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Uh, Really, what are you waiting for? I don't know. Right now... Go to the app and download it and use that promo code THPN. All right. So you download the DraftKings app now and use the code THPN during sign up. What was it? THPN. Give me one more. THPN. Damn right. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN. You get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions, they apply. See DraftKings.com for what? Details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we have a jam-packed episode today, Taylor, talking Jack Eichel being out for the season. We're talking trade deadline. And finally, we are talking the first tangible real addition to the front office, Jason Carmanos, getting announced as associate general manager. But to start off, arguably the biggest news of the day of the of the jam-packed news week even for that matter, is Jack Eichel is out for the season. And that's right. And then after that, uh, our third co-host, Joe Rogan, is finally joining us Mm -hmm. to talk about UFC 6,337 and why Gavin Newsom, California governor, is a beta male. So look forward to that later. Yep. Hopefully we'll get to to that. Yeah, we won't cut Can't wait. Jack Eichel uh, is hurt. He is. He's out for the season. Yes. So surgery. he, (laughs) we kind of knew this that he was obviously seriously hurt. He's been out for quite a while, actually. Nearly half the games he's, uh, this season he's missed. So no surprise there. It, it is, you know, I guess something. It's news that he's not going to come back. I was starting to kind of assume he wasn't going to come back. There's no real reason to, for him to, I don't want to say risk it, but also like it risk seems it. like he has a, you know, a serious injury. There's no reason to rush to come back for this season to what, chase 30th place instead of 31st to – to have 16 wins instead of 15, you know, there's no real point to it. And the season's over weirdly in a month. So very close. Yeah. They're getting very close to the end. It's it's, it hasn't been good, <laughs> but yeah, this, this makes sense to me for Eichel just because he was dealing with a few things. Obviously he missed a game with that was that a knee problem that he had at one point. 
the, the, the whole thing a was, minor thing yeah, yeah. it's a minor thing but he had a cracked rib all year it seems like and now yep. he has a, a herniated disc which is removed really a, rib yes removed rib <laughs> just kidding <laughs> that's right so he could assist on his own goals so he's he's got a few um, a few things going on and it's like it's good to take this time off come back for next year next season is this is basically when the season would be ending anyway next season starting at a normal time come back for training camp next year a new eichel new new year new him hopefully I mean, I, yeah, I completely agree. So I don't know if did we actually say what it is. He has a herniated disc in his neck. Yes. I don't know if you said that or not. Yeah, I did. Okay. It's a real yeah. like 45 year old injury. Yeah, it is. It was kind of surprising. And I'm curious. I mean, obviously they didn't give us any kind of indication of this, but if this is something that could potentially have a lingering effect, I don't know of any other players that I could think of off the top of my head that have had something like this. Yeah, me neither. But the reports today did say the Sabres expecting to be back hundred percent by the fall. Right. By training camp. Means yeah. nothing. <laughs> well, <laughs> What did they expect? But like they told us all good. year that he was fine and that he wasn't hurt. And then, look, yeah. at it, you know, but with that being said, I'm definitely with you on that. I mean, it just doesn't feel like there's a point, you know, especially taking into consideration that he was already playing through the rib injury. I mean, he was a completely different player this year. We all saw it. You know, it, he, he, of course, improved his defensive impacts, which I think we had talked about last week a bit. Um, but I think that's more a result of him compensating for not being able to play his his full game. I mean, his skating look effect, looked affected. His just general, I know this is very like subjective and a vague description, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. His general ability to like take over a game yeah just was not there he didn't have it and if you're fighting multiple injuries i mean yeah that's gonna make it uh, pretty hard to be the the premier player that you are in the league and so the season's a wash more likely than not they're gonna end up finishing in last place this year why bring him back if you don't have to and instead since you already are in the cellar and you also are giving this interim head coach a trial it's at least an opportunity for some of the younger guys to to step up and and get a chance to prove themselves because the the mindset for this point like you said there's no sense in trying to chase 30th place but the mindset from here on out has to be who is going to be a part of this team next year because Kevin Adams has a just an avalanche of work coming at him in the off season that he's going to have to figure out. I mean, this team is going to more likely than not have to look drastically different next season for them to make any kind of noise or a playoff push. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that means seeing more from, I think like getting as many minutes as you can for like R2. R2 for if, sure. If what, what they can get out of Borgen for the rest of the year, we'll see. Uh, Asplin, Middlestead have been playing really well. Cousins been playing well. It's, it's a good idea to keep those guys away from Ikan and El Poso. Mm-hmm. Let, let those guys do their own thing. Do you know off the top of your head, I meant to check into this, but are they allotted only one buyout upcoming, this upcoming offseason? Well, there's no compliance buyouts, I don't think. Right, but just like straight up, just like a regular, not a compliance, just like a regular buyout. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken here, I, I think you can just buy whoever out. Well, it's it, just a money thing. I Because I had saw some people talking about this today too, but especially thinking for next year, people were suggesting the idea of buying out Cody Eakin, given that he only has a year left in the salary. I think you'll only be carrying salary for him then for like the next two years. But to me, I think the obvious move with that is buying out a Pozo, dealing with the ramifications of that. And then you wave Eakin and bury him in the minors and just hope that that's it. I mean, 
That yeah, waving is a tool that they don't use very often. Doesn't make sense. They absolutely should. I know right now the issue probably is that Terry doesn't want to pay guys to not play if that that's a possibility. I guess we should say briefly that there's a report. I think it was, I don't know if it was Forbes or you know, some of those people that report on all the rich people mm-hmm. said the, the Pagoulas are among people whose net worth has risen. Tim Graham wrote about this in the athletic, I think. And it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, they're not, they're not broke. And I know we called them broke and made all the jokes about how Terry is going to be wearing a barrel with suspenders, <laughs> but they were never actually broke. It's just, and I thought maybe for a while their net worth would have taken a hit, but I guess rich people like that, that kind of rich, you just never lose money. Or right. Worth. But it did the, the problem. The, I, I know I'm some of my words here. Two things. Two problems are twofold. One that I thought they might be cash poor because obviously net worth and having money on hand are two different things. Yeah, of course. Every, every uh, business 101 fella told you on Twitter when they furloughed their staff last year. Mm-hmm. The second thing. All the Jeff Bezos stands. Yeah. Yeah, like all the stuff they had is closed. Where's their cash flow coming from? The second thing would be that this, they might just not want to lose money on any given investment like for example, the Sabres, who they reportedly are losing money on. Mm-hmm. So even if they are doing well overall, they might not want to do that. So they they might still have those type of two two things going on. They might, who knows? I guess we'll see where they go after in the post-pandemic world. But that being said, as far as buying guys out, it is going to be interesting. This is something I, I want to look into before next episode now, because you, you got me thinking. So when they had the lockout in 2013, one of the things they had in their agreement with the new CBA was two compliance buyouts within a window, and they used both mm-hmm. on, I think, Erhoff and Leno, and then also bought out Hodgson, non-compliance. And then they just agreed to a new CBA last year, and I don't remember hearing anything about new compliance buyouts, not even one. Yeah, I mean, even my question, it wasn't even about compliance buyouts. Well, I know, you know but because, the, even if you don't have a compliance buyout, can you not buy out more than one guy a year? I didn't, That's I didn't, what I don't know. I don't know that. Yeah, that's what I'm not mm-hmm. sure of off the top of my head. Um, well, we'll, we'll get into that and get back to you. We will, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 show. <laughs> we'll have an answer on that one soon. But no, Those are the two guys, though, right? Like, I think they has got to be. Obviously, look into... Like there's two other guys whose con well, geez, there's three other guys whose contracts on the team I really don't like, which is Miller, Ristolainen, and then especially Jeff Skinner. Uh, there's no buying those guys out though, I don't think. And I think Miller is good enough to play in the NHL, not good enough to make a positive difference, probably. But you could probably find a, a trade partner for him. Ristolainen, I'm still convinced you could find someone to give something. There's no doubt about it. With I mean, he was that's you know it's the same old song and dance that we hear where. Because we are the market that he plays in and we see him play on a night-to-night basis, we know just how bad he is. And not to say that like fans are on par with, I guess, their evaluation in the way that like an NHL scout would be. But, you know, we know he sucks. But there is a reason, though, that anytime his name comes up in trade chatter, it's always associated with maybe there's another team who has interest. Like people will trade for him. You can get something. And to me, it's just at the point now where you just need to recoup any kind of value that you can. And hopefully you prey on a dumb GM that maybe overvalues the intangibles that he has or his physicality, whatever it is. And you're able to get a player back that's at least serviceable. I mean, I don't really know what his his value is just because, again, it, it varies so much between people who think that he's just like really bad and then other people who think that a 26 year old just you know is still developing um or however old he is at this point i think he's 26 but he's also played 
like 500 right exactly days. like you know what he is but if you could find yeah. somebody though who has that mind who has we'll call it the ralph Kruger mindset um then you have to jump at that and i mean if you had that opportunity on the table at the trade deadline, you should have jumped on that. We call it the uh, hockey mindset. Everyone hockey loves guys like Risto. They do. Absolutely, it, they like, do. Is it for a lot of reasons. Pedigree with him being drafted eighth overall and his height, his perceived toughness. And I'm mm-hmm. going to say perceived there. Last night is a great example. The Bruins game on Tuesday night. Bruins are playing very physical, even more so than usual. A lot of dirty hits, even more so than usual. Two fights that they badly beat the Sabres in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a lot of people, like including Craig Gervais and even more reasonable people than Craig Gervais, like John Vogel, were like, the Sabres aren't a tough team. They don't have anyone that could really stand up to this. And it's like, that is actually right. I don't know how, what kind of stock you want to put in that, but that's right because Ristolainen isn't one of those guys. It's a huge problem I have with him it, because it's, it's, we all know the stuff that we harp on all the time. He does wrong. He doesn't make good enough breakout passes. He makes dumb plays in his own zone. He loses guys that he's supposed to be covering. He's not good in front of the net. Well, you know what else he's not good at? He's not good at winning battles on the boards. Mm-hmm. He's not good at using his strength and size for positioning. He, for as much as he hits, doesn't lay down these hits all the time that you like, whoa, watch out for Ristolainen. When was the last time you remember Ristolainen making like a huge hit during the game, I should say, not yeah. during a stoppage in play? I mean, I feel like maybe earlier this year, but I can't even put my mind to it. See? I have no idea. Like, he hits a lot, and a lot of hits he has are the ones we were talking about like three episodes ago, which is just like a guy's on the boards and he's going to cross check him six times and get away with it, which everyone does. Right. But, and, and this is like really important here all his actual toughness comes after the whistle. It's shoving guys after the whistle and flapping his gums after the whistle. That's, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd, I think there's limited value in just like throwing crazy hits. But like there, it's some is some value, and at least it'd be something. At least it would be something you could uh, people who like Risto, his fans could point to and be like, "That's that's why he's here because he throws those hits." And a lot of times when he does throw those hits, like suspension worthy. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to get too much in a tangent. There's a lot to talk about here today. Well, we can transition into the uh, trade deadline if we want to get into that discussion. It seems like we're kind of naturally making our way there. Unless there's any other thoughts you wanted to share before. No. Uh, no, that's that's fine. Let's go to the trade deadline. So they really only make made one trade after we talked. So when we the trade is pretty much right after we sent in the podcast, or you sent in the podcast, really, because or posted it because we were waiting. Yeah, we waited until about like ten thirty was like the latest that we were gonna wait to try. And we're record. on a deadline here, right? We are, and uh, he ended up getting traded. I think a little bit after twelve, like twelve twelve thirty or so. Uh, to, as, as we all now know, the Boston Bruins, along with Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork and a second round draft pick. So I have my take on, on the trade. And I think it's a very, it's a very layered take. I was last night, I was on the Slapshot Sweethearts live stream. And, uh, I had said that, and somebody had commented in saying that the trade was like an ogre. There's a lot of layers to it. And I think that that's very correct. There are a lot you know, of layers. People say ogres are like onions. Because they smell? No, because they have layers also. Yeah, I know. I I, I know. Wow. Well, before I get into my whole kind of spiel of complexities with the trade, generally speaking, what is your thoughts on the return? Uh, One of my main thoughts is I'm glad we're talking today on Wednesday and not on Monday, because (laughs) I think I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I don't, I, first of all, I don't like it, 
I don't want to come off positive here. Good. But I would say I understand it more than I did then. And in fact, I'm going to say, even though he shouldn't be a GM at this point, I do have some, not defensive Kevin Adams, but there's been a lot of, it, it is almost a little unfair-ish, even though I don't think it was a great return. So let me explain. It seems like Hall basically had a no-move clause and was saying, I'll only go to the Bruins, which was different than what he was saying to the media a couple of weeks ago, like said he would just wave it. And it's been reported by multiple sources that Sabres had a better offer on the West Coast for a West Coast team. Possibly in Vegas. Canada, right? Or no. It was Vegas was one name that was put out there. I mean, Edmonton was thrown around, but I don't know how serious they were. But I had seen Vegas as a potential suitor. We also found out, too, that the Islanders offered the Sabres pretty much the same package that they gave to New Jersey for Palmieri and Zajac. Which would be a better package. First round pick. Yeah. And done. <laughs> yes. And. Paul doesn't, you know, want to wait for anything but Boston. Right. So that's kind of a big deal. When you're in that situation, if Boston knows that, which I'm guessing his agent was informing Boston of that, it's, it's kind of like throw your hands up and what do you do? Because the other option here is you say, we'll sit you for the rest of the year. Okay, that is an option. That's a real thing you could do. Mm-hmm. We'll put you on the taxi squad or we'll make you play. One of the two. And you're staying here in Buffalo. You're not going to the playoffs again. So you better figure that out. Right. That's something that's an option. Mm-hmm. You could do that. I do wonder if it's a good idea if you're Kevin Adams right now. And if you're the GM of the Sabres right now, the way things have gone the last 10 years, if that, if you really want to be playing hardball with someone you got in free agency like that, that's tough. I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if that's the right move, mm-hmm. but when I'm looking at this trade, it's hard for me to believe that you couldn't have gotten a little bit more stuff. The other thing is actually, before we get to that, I'll say this one more defensive Kevin Adams thing. He gave Taylor Hall a no-move clause when he signed here. So Taylor Hall wanted a one-year deal. They gave him one year, eight million, no-move clause. Was that reasonable? I think it was. I think before this year, I think this year clarified a few things about Hall. And I think one of the things is one of my takes is he's on a decline. He is in, in at least one big way. That wasn't as clear before the deadline or before, sorry, before the season. And that wasn't as, it wasn't as clear that Ico would be nursing an injury all year and not playing well. And they would shoot 2% combined. Like all this stuff wasn't clear. It's perfectly reasonable to think that Eichel and Hall would score in a 56 game season. What a combined 50 goals, maybe more than 50 goals between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And that would be a great, you know, off. It should have easily been a hundred points between the two of them, like combined. Yeah. That was completely yeah. reasonable to think that. And at that point, you're trying to make Eichel happy. You're trying to make a splash. You need to do something because the team was not good going into this. And they had a very short window in the offseason after a long time off to try to figure this stuff out without scouts, without an assistant GM, without a team president. So what does he do? Taylor Hall, that's a really good, that's a good move. And if the sticking point is really a limited no trade versus a no move, you make the move. Because if you're in the position to trade, Taylor Hall is going to want to go to the playoffs. You would think it was reasonable to think in October that he would waive it for more than one team. That would have made complete sense to me. I think that was, that was a perfectly fine move. Now, the reason I think it's a fine move, especially is because I don't believe, even though I don't have any hard evidence of this, so I don't believe he was empowered to make every move that he could have made in the offseason. I don't think he was empowered to trade for Stalinen. I don't think he was empowered to get a new goalie because getting a new goalie means eating Carter Hutton's contract. It means spending 
that $3.75 million for him not to play or whatever the number is. It's roughly that number. I don't know if that he was. And they obviously had a – he made a bunch of bad moves I'm, at the same time, so I'm not saying he's been a good GM so far. We'll see what this offseason brings. But I think all that was reasonable. Now when you get to this point, oh, I only want to go to Boston. Well, Hall kind of painted him into a corner. And now we'll go back to being harsher on Kevin Adams because if this deal came at like 259 on Monday – it would make a lot more sense. There's no reason he went, what, 13, 14 hours early before the deadline? Mm-hmm. Maybe more, maybe 15 hours? I think it was about 15. Yeah, that. there's no reason for that. What, did you want to just sleep in tomorrow? Like, because <laughs> you obviously were making another move. You weren't shopping like, all, I don't think you were shopping Allmark. I don't think you were shopping Miller or any in any serious way. So what, what are you waiting for? Because what you should be trying to coax out of Boston in that is a condition on that pick, right? I mean, the salary thing is another thing I don't care about. People talking about the Sabres retaining salary. Who cares? He's gone after the year. Mm-hmm. Not your money. They're not, you know, it's not like it's going to matter against the cap this year. But that could become a first-round pick if Boston makes the conference finals, if Boston makes the finals, if Boston wins the cup. You're going to tell me they'd say if they won the cup, they're not giving, they're not making that a first-round pick? It's Kind of a, I mean, I don't believe it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing to wait on the Lazar-Bjork thing, but Bjork is more expensive, so we'll see on that. But I, that's why, this is why I guess you said the, the, the layers thing. It does make sense. And there's another additional layer that it seems like Taylor Hall might have a weird reputation around the league because he's been around so much losing. Mm-hmm. And maybe also because he scored two goddamn goals this year. Like, that might be a tough sell too. And he's obviously getting worse. He, that, that MVP season seemed to be more and more like an outlier, Mm -hmm. but teams didn't seem as excited about giving up a first round pick. Although the Islanders obviously offered to strange. Yeah. It's it. He has, I don't know, not a great reputation. I mean, I think what Ken Campbell, although he's an idiot still true uh, said what he said last week, I don't think he's just being Ken Campbell saying that. I think he's speaking for some people around the league, scouts, GMs. And I, I think you're going to see that on July 1st. Do you mm-hmm. have any more thoughts? Because I, I do. Yeah, yeah if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things. Before I get into like my overarching kind of big picture thing, the first thing I want to point out that really, really, really bothered me. And I don't normally let things that players say in the media like – annoy me that much like I wasn't bothered with Ryan O'Reilly with his comments about saying that he lost his love for the game generally speaking pre-becoming a captain a lot of Jack's like pissy press conferences really didn't bother me that much Sam Reinhardt gets a little snippy with Mike Harrington doesn't bother me that much but Taylor Hall to have the audacity after you were paid eight million dollars and were two seasons removed coming into this season two years removed from an MVP season where you come to a team that has done a nine-year playoff drought and immediately become the third highest, highest paid player on the team to have the nerve to say that you didn't want to be in the spotlight and you just wanted to be one of the guys or whatever his quote was along those lines, that bothered the hell out of me. Well, congrats though. It worked. Yeah. Like congrats. You You were a nobody. You were a nobody. Like you were paid $8 million not to be one of the guys you were paid to be a premier scorer on this team, a a premier point producer. You were supposed to 
you know, revitalize your career. Because as you had said, he had regressed a bit last season and had a down year. It seemed like his finishing ability was starting to diminish. And we really learned that the hard way. I learned today that over the past two seasons, nobody in the NHL has had more breakaways than Taylor Hall. Guess how many he's scored on over the past two seasons? Zero. That's a big old zero, Taylor. That's right. Yep. So getting into the trade now. There are a lot of layers to this. You had covered a lot of them, but just to kind of retrace your steps so I could fill in some of the gaps that I've been really thinking about. So coming into this season, the, the sound bite that all of us were dunking on Terry Pagula for was the, this doesn't make us a, like this makes us, you know, a, a contender for a Stanley cup. That's what he had said upon signing Taylor Hall. So there are key decisions that were made in the off season and decisions that weren't made also, I should say, that really didn't back up that mindset. Because if you legitimately felt like you were a Stanley Cup contender, what are you doing not having a more filled out front office? Because <laughs> one of the key issues for me with this, and I'm going to kind of jump around here a little bit. One of the biggest problems that I have is exactly what you were talking about with the timing that they made the trade and the way that the whole situation went down where it came down to him essentially saying, we're only, I'm only going to play in Boston. To me, it was a huge, huge, massive oversight on the Pagula's part to not have somebody with experience working with Kevin Adams, not even in like an overseeing role, just something, somebody who knows how to play hardball, because that is in reality what you needed to do. And I don't mean to just throw out like buzzwords, but what I'm essentially getting at though is if he legitimately was saying Boston is the only place I want to go for one, that doesn't add up to me because you have a far greater chance of winning the Stanley cup by going to Vegas. If that actually is on the table, it, it's not even a matter of just like a pin, like a pin. It is a fact that Vegas is a better team from top to bottom, more consistency, a deeper lineup. It just all around, it was a better situation in Vegas is not but, unlike Boston. What? Unlike Boston, Vegas has to deal with an elite team to get to the conference finals they do no they do but at the end of the day though do you think i mean adding taylor hall into that mix i like them a lot better and i as the elite team you're talking about the colorado avalanche yeah i still think that vegas if you put taylor hall on that team colorado still does have a lot of question marks at this point they didn't really do a lot to help their case in the trade deadline they brought in carl soderberg who at best is going to be a third line center for them they didn't add any additional firepower out up front they traded for Devin Dubnik to be their insurance option because they traded for Jonas Johansson he had been doing <laughs> fairly well with them to, for what it's yeah. worth but I mean you're playing goalie for the Colorado Avalanche like what do you expect but then you go for Devin Dubnik who has had maybe one of the sharpest declines of goalies in their 30s that we've seen typically goalies always kind of fall off when they get into their 30s but more often than not, you have guys like Ryan Miller, for example, who, yeah, their play falls off, but they're still sustainable. Devin Dubnik was terrible in San Jose, yeah. terrible in San Jose. So you bring him on. I mean, and again, like Grubauer on top of the COVID thing, just being like, you know, what are the chances of that? Grubauer has a history of injury problems. And so they really didn't do a whole lot to help their case. And I'm telling you right now, I like Vegas coming out of the West. And so to me, especially, it just seemed like that made a lot more sense for him to go there. But regardless of that, I would have wanted to have somebody and you know, Kevin Adams does not have the gall to be able to look him in the face and say, 
we're going to wait. If you don't want to go anywhere else, I will literally sit you in the press box all year. I honestly probably would have given him more. I would have had more respect for him if he would have done something like that, because it's inexcusable. People are going to jump and say like, oh, well, Nick Foligno got a first round pick. I'll even take it a step further. Sam Bennett got a second round pick and he got, <laughs> and he got ridiculous. Florida's oh my God. second round pick from last season. The, the player who they picked, his name is escaping. He's a finished player, but like you essentially got two second round picks. For Sam Bennett, Nick Foligno got a first round pick. And again, this goes into being able to negotiate because Kevin Adams was acting from a position of weakness. Boston probably did know that Taylor Hall had said that, but wouldn't you have wanted to have somebody there who has had this experience in the front office and having to play hardball like that to literally threaten him and say, Okay, if you're only going to go to one place and you're going to hamstring us after we gave you $8 million, we gave you $8 million to yeah. come here. And you're going to try and hamstring us and say you're only going to go to one team, then fine, we'll keep your ass in the press box all year. What is that second round pick ultimately really going to do? You know, like, yeah, sure, you can maybe use it in a trade and it can eventually end up helping. But at the end of the day, the currency for him, the asking price should have been a first round pick. And even if you go outside of this season, if you look at past seasons in the trade deadline, people get desperate in the last couple hours and you're able yes. to make a move. That's what I was inexcusable to me yeah. that you pulled the trigger on not even your marquee chip, the entire league, anybody who was on the market, Taylor Hall was the probably the best player that was available and he was definitely the best player that got moved so to make that trade you are throwing any leverage that you could possibly have completely out the window and why do you really think that like boston was gonna nudge if you came back to them at 250 and said all right let's do this you really think they're gonna say oh we don't want to give you a second round pick for taylor hall anymore like they knew they were getting a steal out of this everybody knew that they were going to rob them blind if the asking price was only going to come down to a second round pick. So why in God's name would you not let the pressure build up a little bit, have him maybe get a little bit more pressure. And when you get to that point where he's starting to think, Oh my God, this could be a reality that they might not do. They might do this. If it gets to two 30, he's probably getting real nervous. And he's saying, all right, I consider maybe somewhere else. I don't know that for a fact, but you would have to think that. Like, if you look that dude in the face and say, all right, listen, hey, you're going to be a free agent in the offseason. That's right. But if you want to go another year not having an opportunity to make the playoffs, that's on you. We'll just sit your ass for the rest of the season. And then come the offseason, when it's time for you to get your new contract, who in their right mind is going to want to play or is going to want to pay? I mean, not top dollar, but who's going to want to pay a guy who shot 2% this year, who had two goals, whose finishing ability seems to be completely gone. and could honestly be perceived to be such a locker room deterrent that a team chose to not play him for the second half of the season. Like you could have played hardball with him and they didn't. And I want to fault Kevin Adams in that, but also I fault the Bagulas because what are you doing? Letting him go into this by himself. Who did he have in the room with him? Terry? What the hell does he know? That guy. Absolutely nothing. Who worked at a bank for like 30 years. Right. Like <laughs> what, what is, what, what do any of these people who are in the room know? Yeah. Like he needs the help. And so to me, it's like the Pagula's kind of left Adams out to dry in that sense. There's no getting around it. Like regardless of what you want to say, even if you want to rationalize the pit, like a second round pick in Bjork for him and Lazar as being like, whatever, he got something. 
There's no rationalizing making that move at midnight the day before the deadline. That move, knowing what that return is, Boston's not going to back off on a second-round pick that they don't care about anyways. Why don't you wait until quarter to three or 10 minutes to three to make that move and pull the trigger? So it, it just seemed like they they shot themselves in the foot with it. Even I would have, and again, like you alluded to before, I would have felt way better if that was a deal that got announced at like 310, 315 as like the last second moves are coming in. But you you just, it just seems like this was just handled all wrong. And I would love to know more about just how strict he was on Boston because you could have also just said, hey, we'll trade you into a really good contender in the West. And if you don't like it there, guess what? You get to sign in Boston in the offseason if they really do want you that bad because there were reports that Boston was trying to sign him in this past offseason when we were able to sign him. But the problem was that they had to free up some money. He didn't want to wait around for it. And so he ended up signing with the Sabres. You mean to tell me that there was nothing else you could have done? And so, like I said, I would have probably respected Kevin Adams more if he would have just sat on it and said, you know what? The best I would have gotten for him was a second round pick. And he 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 cut us off at the knees for what we were able to do. So we're going to hang on to him. He's going to sit in the press box or he's going to play out the rest of his contract here. But I wasn't going to allow, you know, like at least that gives him a little bit of credibility. But again, he shouldn't even have been in that position in the first place because he should have had somebody either overseeing him or an assistant general manager, somebody who has some kind of experience to help him navigate these waters. And, and it, and they just didn't have that. And then again, going back to my point before about Pagula and I'm wrapping up soon. I apologize for going on a, a tangent a little bit here, but like you can't in the same breath say that you want to be cup contenders while also saying that you need to be leaner in your front office and in your hockey department. I mean, I mean, that is such a half-assed, like, there's just, it doesn't hold any weight to me to, to try and say those two things. And we really, you know, everybody like made fun of those two things independently, the economic efficient the BS and the, the cup comments. But in reality, we need to start looking at those two comments together because that gives you an even greater idea of just how inept he is as an owner, him and Kim, for that matter. You can't in the same breath say, all right, we're going to make cutbacks and we're not going to hire a front office. We're not going to hire scouts, but we want to compete for a cup this year. You just can't have it. Those two things cannot coexist with each other. And, you know, it just contributes to the, the end fact that Terry Pagula is nothing more than a bullshit artist. That's all he is. It, 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 there's no getting around it to me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they hired you know, Carmanos, but that realistically that him or somebody else, it should have happened in the off season. It should have happened before the trade deadline came around because it's just inexcusable. You, they pretty much let Adams out to dry and it's hard to fault the guy because it's like, I can get mad at him because for whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, the Pagulas are the ones who are putting him in the position that he's in right now. Yeah. So to go back to one thing you said before getting to front office stuff. So there's a the thing about Taylor Hall not scoring on breakaways. There's a video that was put out today, mm-hmm. and I think it was Mike Kelly, a Canadian journalist type person. I don't know, but anyway, was talking about hey, you know, the a couple of years ago the Canadians saw a video of Paul Byron, former Saber, mm-hmm. and saw a, a video like this, and then they made some adjustments, and he he had a much better career after that. Maybe something similar could happen for Hall. 
And this is also similar to something we mentioned a couple weeks ago that someone uh, caught a video of all Hall's near miss goals from this year and was like, how unlucky is this guy? And in both cases, I watched the video and go, this is a guy that sucks at finishing. It's a guy that doesn't have confidence finishing maybe at this point, especially Could with the breakaways, but like, I mean, none of them were good. Like, I mean, no. there was maybe a handful of them, but they're all just like end up being either loses control or they're little dribblers that he tries to put five hole and the goalies end up saving it. Yes. Or like people mentioned, these hit the post a lot and the post, yeah, both the breakaways and just overall this year. It's like, that's true. Hitting the post kind of means you beat the goalie, but like hitting the but post is just no. like the closest version of shooting it wide. Right. Like, yeah. You're, you're meant to not hit the post. You're meant to get the goddamn puck in the net. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, if you expanded the net, those posts would be goals, but, like, we haven't. So it's and, a problem. And I think I would say so because people are wondering, like, what is Taylor Hall now? Like, people have kind of argued with this. Like, Taylor Hall really good? Is Taylor Hall elite still? Is Taylor Hall just unlucky? It's like, yes, he's a little bit unlucky this year. Sure. Both in terms of his shooting percentage and in Eichel not being healthy. But I think going forward, and this is, like, kind of my prediction for whatever he is in this next team, like just at least for these next couple of years, I think he's like a, in a full season at most 25 goals, but probably more like 20 or fewer, maybe like 40 assists. Okay. In his own end and drives offensive play to an extent, isn't a finisher. And apparently he doesn't want to be a guy. I mean, congrats on that. Cause he's headed to a few more 50 point seasons, but like, I don't know what to say about that. No, I know. <laughs> I, I I don't think he's worth. He's, I, it's good. It's bizarre. He might be the, one of the worst MVPs of all time. Yeah, he. Like I mean, Jose he's, Theodore and him. He's not going to shoot two percent for the rest of his career. He's probably not going to shoot it next season. But he's not going to shoot twelve percent. I mean, maybe probably he's not. maybe he's a seven or eight percent shooter from now on because he just can't finish. But again, even if that is the case, how many goals do you say he might get per year? 25 at most but probably i mean i don't even know about that yeah like if you're you know talking about a guy i i don't know i mean again it just goes back into maybe it is something with his mindset because it's like man if you can't handle the pressure then like what are you doing like yeah (laughs) you're you know you're getting paid eight million dollars and that just seems like such a tone deaf comment to make and i know it's meaningless and whatever but like it, it's completely reasonable to be pissed off by that. I mean, you're investing that much into a guy. And also let's be real here too. That $8 million that went to Taylor Hall, it's probably fair to ask, is that the reason why, you know, we weren't able to do a long-term Reinhardt deal? Is that the reason why Darlene wasn't signed last season, last off season, because he had the opportunity to be as well. Is that why they weren't able to make other moves? Like the, the franchise put a lot of investment into this one player and it just seems like such a, I know I've been saying this a lot. It's major dweeb energy, major dweeb energy to just like, I just want to be one of the fellas. It's like, dude, no, like you are, like I said, you're two years you're, removed from yeah. an MVP at the time that you signed that contract. Fringe guy. Friend, major fringe, fringe, fringe energy. major fringe Shout guy. Shout out Friday energy. beers. Love so Friday the, beers. We should try and get sponsored by them. We should. Uh, so I'm looking at this now because I got myself wondering about MVP. So Hart Trophy winners, it goes back to the 20s. And obviously, I don't know about hockey back then. But like you can see, like you recognize some names on here, like Frank Neighbor, Nell Stewart, Howie Morenz, Eddie Shore, guys like that. And then like as time goes on, obviously more guys like Elmer Lack. Uh, but then like starting in the 50s, like you start to recognize guys like Gordy Howe, Bellavo, and just like looking at this is like there's so few guys who aren't Hall of Famers on here, especially like recently. Like Howe mm-hmm. won it a bunch of times, Jeffrey on, Jacques Plant, Bellavo, obviously a lot of uh canadians 
from that period. And then like Bobby Hull, Makita, Esposito, or won it three times. Bobby Clark, Esposito again, Clark, Clark, LaFleur, Trottier, Gretzky won it nine out of 10 years, Lemieux, Messier, Hull, Messier, Lemieux, Fedorov, Lindros. I'm just reading this list. Yeah. Which of these guys aren't legends? Like Lemieux, Hashik wins it twice, then Yager. And then the century is Pronger, Sakic, Theodore, who I mentioned, outlier. And then Forsberg, San Luis, canceled season. And since the lockout, it's been Thornton, Crosby, Ovechkin, Ovechkin, Sedin, Corey Perry, Malkin, Ovechkin, Crosby, Price, Kane, McDavid, Hall, Kucherov, Dreisaitl. So pretty much every single one of those players in the 21st century, with the exception of Taylor Hall and Jose Theodore, are probably going to make the Hall of Fame. Corey Perry, though? I think he might be. Is he close to 500 goals? Let me see. Corey Perry, although I will say. That's the only reason why I said for him is if he's close to 500, that's kind of one of those, like, you know, if you hit 500 home runs in the MLB, you're. Yeah, 500 goals in this area, you're 100% in. Yeah, that's not But no, he's at 386. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Okay, Corey Perry, too, then. He fell off a cliff, though, at some point. But even, like, outside of them, who's the the worst player on that list? I don't know. One of Sedin. Like, this. Sedin. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really frustrating. And I just, again, going back to your point, a lot of people have made this point. I cannot wrap my head around the fact, even from Boston, that they were not able to get a first round pick. Yeah. Just even a conditional second, a conditional second. Yeah. That that is even more puzzling. Like you mean it, like you said, you mean to tell me that like, (laughs) if they're making it to the conference finals, that they wouldn't have just like swapped that out to be a first. I mean, come on. Look at like the running rate of what guys were going for. It, it, yep. It's inexcusable. And again, in this, in this draft that no one cares about, if you make the conference right. finals, your pick right. is going to be like 28th or worse. Right. And the entire draft this year is a crapshoot. So it's like, what are you? <laughs> it's it just, again, more people need to talk about the fact that the Pagula is pretty much left Kevin Adams out to dry because again, like what, how are you going to, I can't fault the guy that much for having, you know, this is his first time in a front office role and he's the one who's calling the shots. And again, we don't know the extent of it, but like, Terry, you should know you've been around long enough. It's been 10 years, man. Something like that. That is a no brainer that if you're going to get shortchanged on a trade, you wait until the last possible minute. And not even for the fact of them, like even if they knew that he was only going to go to Boston from a PR perspective, it would have looked a lot better. Like you said, if it would have been like a 250 trade, like announced pretty much right at the deadline and they just jumped the gun Yeah. and you don't know how things could have developed to the next day. I mean, realistically, could they have waited and, and then seen like, all right, look at what Sam Bennett just got traded for. You're going to really try and tell us that Taylor Hall is, is less valuable than Sam Bennett is. Yeah. They just, they weren't acting from a position of strength and it showed. And honestly, Taylor Hall aside, I was also a little bit disappointed that there were no other moves that were made. I mean, you probably could have traded Miller somewhere. You definitely could have traded Ristolainen somewhere. I mean, Winnipeg just jumps out easily as an option that you could have traded either of those guys to. And with Miller and Ristolainen both, maybe you trade them in the offseason and you're able to recoup, you know, for Miller at least like a pick. Who knows what Ristolainen will net you, but you're in last place. You are in the cellar. You are about to hit your 10th year of no playoffs and they didn't do anything to try and shake it up. 
And that's really disappointing to me as yep. a fan, as uh, objective spectator, everything. Like it, it was really, really disappointing that all we got out of tra- out of the trade deadline was Anders Bjork and a second round pick. And at this point, we the only thing I'll say to close on is you do not have the cover of blaming Ralph Kruger for any of the roster decisions that happen in this offseason. So Kevin Adams better buckle up and be ready to just do some major surgery because there's a lot of work to do. And that guy who we talked about at the top of the episode with, uh, with the injury issues, who just happens to be your captain and premier player time's ticking on that too. I'm just next year. Realistically, I know we kind of felt like maybe this, like to me next year is the year. If they are bad next year in the way that they are just sensationally horrible this season, even a semblance of that, or if they're not close to sniffing the playoffs, that situation with Jack is going to get ugly. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to need to trade him before that no movement clause kicks in because you're going to be in a pretty much a very similar situation to what you're in right now. You're going to have to make a decision on it sooner or later. And if he has to endure another season of this, He's going to want to be, he, he very well may want to leave and get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that we, we need to focus on and I guess maybe try to put pressure on the Pagouls if we can, if that makes sense, if they pay attention to any of this, not us, obviously, but generally Sabres fans, media, what, we, what we're talking about. So another thing that happened today is the Sabres hired an associate GM, which is good to start. Like Brendan mentioned, there's a lot to do with this offseason. And right now it looks like they're doing it with a rookie GM still who was never in a front office, who has no experience doing any of this. And he was going to do without, he's been doing it without an assistant or associate GM. Lucky now he has an associate GM. Sure. I wouldn't mind. And they probably won't do this. This is the biggest long shot one. If they were to do a president of hockey operations, they apparently have been talking to people like Jim Rutherford, mm-hmm. which would be fine with me. Who Jason Kermanos has a long history with, for that matter. I would and prefer that to be the next move. Who would have been the perfect guy to give you that credibility because not to go back to it again, but Boston probably knew, not probably, they definitely knew first time GM, nobody working with him. Yeah. Let's lowball this dude. You think if they had Rutherford, like I have my issues with Rutherford, don't get me wrong, but if they had him there, you really think that that would have went down the same way that it did? I don't. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, no. Very different. They probably also would have tried to go for like, I'm trying to think, who, who is like a guy Boston would give up who's like a grinder? Rutherford would definitely be into that. Oh, yeah. yeah just yeah. like, this, this guy will put a knuckle on your shoe or something, <laughs> like however he talks. But, so, do we, but, but also, like, we, they still need a scouting staff. That's the other thing. Desperately, which they've <laughs> indicated that they are going to address and take care of. I'm glad to hear that. I know the fact that that even needs to get addressed. In like, the they first really place. should have been hiring Car- Carmanos in what, October? Yeah. Because yeah. I know there was no big rush on scouting at that point. It's not like there was any imminent seasons coming for anyone, but like, at some point there was going to be hockey and, you know, you might've want to have those guys hired in October and November. And, you know, it's better to have them waiting around than to be like, Oh, well, our season's starting now. It kind of helps them being a level playing field that there's going to be no Memorial cup this year, that there's barely been any junior hockey. That college hockey season was so like weird and bastardized that who knows what's going on in Finland, Russia, Sweden, 
but like other teams do have a leg up and they've been scouting these guys for a while and you don't have guys that have been doing that. Yep. That's a big problem. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out for sure. Well, what, why do they have some picks in this draft or something? The trade for picks? <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. So, all right, let's dive into Carmanos a little bit with his role and his background. So in the role he's going to serve as, along with being associate general manager, he will serve as the general manager for the Amherst. And then he's going to oversee the Sabres scouting, player development, and analytics departments, which is great because he had a hand in crafting Pittsburgh's analytics department that they use. So with his background a little bit, um, he was a member of the Hurricanes front office from 98 to 2013, which Ooh. is where big time boo, where he won. He didn't win a Stanley Cup, I should say. Asterisk. Um, yeah, big time asterisks there. Uh, but that is how he ended up getting a relationship with Jim Rutherford. And then upon leaving the Hurricanes in 2013, he, which he was also an assistant general manager there. He then goes to Pittsburgh and ended up winning a Stanley cup in Pittsburgh in 2016 and in 2017. So he has a pretty much the pedigree of who you'd want to be hiring in this position. He has a demonstrated success of, of winning and establishing winning franchises. Um, he, ha he clearly, I mean, he's tight with Jim Rutherford and is clearly has a good reputation throughout the league. I had recently read that he actually had applied for an interview, I shouldn't say applied, Jesus Christ, interviewed for the Arizona Coyotes vacant GM position after they had um, fired. Uh, Chaka? Yeah, John Chaka. Yeah, Chaka, whatever the hell. Yeah. So he had interviewed for that in the offseason. And so. He was pretty sought after. I mean, it's not like this is just like a, a bottom of the barrel kind of guy who we just like scraped and, you know, kind of got to come here. Like this is to me, it seems like it's a it's a pretty good hire. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about it. That I was genuinely surprised. It actually seems like it got done. It it's a guy that they need, obviously, like you need guys that, like I it didn't even occur to me. They didn't have like a guy that was the GM of Rochester. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like you need a, a solid program down there. I don't know if they've really had that for a while. Like it's gotten okay, but like I'd like it to be better than it has been. Mm -hmm. And pretty much it seems like his role here too is like a carbon copy of what he was doing in Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah, so that's good. Obviously things went well in Pittsburgh. I know we love hiring both the Bills and Sabres traditionally love hiring guys from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. You know, shout out to Tom Donahoe. Shout out Jason Bottrell. Yep. Shout out Dan Bielsma. Wow. Look at you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, good point. Yeah. Um, but they, I, I, they need someone like that. Mm -hmm. I know we shouldn't be applauding them to, you know, hire doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Filling the role everyone has filled. But it's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Randy Cunningworth was around and oh yeah, he's not anymore. That's right. No mm -hmm. one's around. Literally everyone got fired, but yeah. So they, this is something they absolutely needed. So yeah. I mean, good. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, it's not a bad hire. The natural next step, along with obviously filling out the scouting department, is you need to hire, in my opinion, you got to hire a president of hockey ops or a team president who actually knows what they're doing. Um, well, for you know, a I lot just, of reasons. I was just but, thinking right before the pandemic, I had this really good waiter at Applebee's. You think he could do it? <laughs> he could potentially. Like, I mean, does he, he have any connections? Super rich. Like, you think he'd suddenly be good at this? Could be. What are his thoughts on facial cleanser? Hmm. I'll have to. Does uh, he have a good skincare routine? Does he need one? Oh, he might need if one. If he needs one, this job could be his. But you do need, I think, to hire a president of hockey apps or something like that. I was very against this. We both were, I'm pretty sure. Like over the past couple of years, it just didn't seem like it was something that was necessary if you were just going to, for lack of a better way of putting it, bring in some dinosaur to just like 
not be with the times just for the sake of having it. But now yeah. at this point, you like forget Barney's been off TV for like years. Right. Yeah. Move past the dinosaurs, we need folks. past it. We need to move past it. We, but you need somebody who has that credibility. You need somebody who's going to be able to have connections with other GMs because Kevin Adams was coming into this whole situation blind. He didn't know like other guys. He's probably having a cold call GMs. When he, I'm pretty sure that was a thing that he was needing to like call and introduce himself. I want to have somebody here who already has pre-existing relationships with these guys. Not necessarily Jim Rutherford. If it was though, whatever it is, what it is, I'll take it. But the key to all of this, every single piece of, of hiring, whoever this eventual person may be, their essential role is to do what Brandon Bean does for the Bills, which is to tell the Pagulas to get the hell out of here. Let us do their jobs. Let us make the decisions. You do not have a background in this. You are merely the owner. You don't know anything about player evaluation, clearly considering who his favorite players are and who he puts trust into for them to sign. You don't know what you're doing. And as long as whoever they hire to be that president of hockey ops can tell them, no, you are staying out of it. Or maybe it's something worked into a contract where it's like they are the one who has the final say on hockey matters. I'm all about it then. That is the one thing that I need to see out of that hire because I don't need to just have another cook in the kitchen for having the sake of, for the sake of having somebody else there. There needs to be a purpose for it. And the only purpose I care about is telling the Pagulas to butt out and that they can't have a say in, in that kind of a decision. Well, I think that that's a good way to end that. I do have a, another thing. Give it to me. It's a quiz. Love this. It's about trade deadlines. Ooh, fun. So the Sabres used to do more in the trade deadline. Seems occasionally back in the days they used to be they buyers. Did? <laughs> Can you believe it? Wow. Buyers at the trade deadline. Never heard of it. A- it's been a while. Um, they uh, they used to have this GM. His name was Darcy Regeer. Never heard of him he was either. GM from 1997 to 2013, mm, roughly. I don't know. November 2013, he got fired during the season. Anyway, I want to describe some people that got brought in at the trade deadline. And For the Sabres? Yeah. And you tell me who they are. Are you so Regeer trades? All right. And you're gonna... I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some information about them and you tell me who they are. There's 10 of them. Okay. All right. All right. This guy, who was brought in in 2001, was a former Sabre. I brought in for a second stint. He had 12 points in the regular season and nine points in 13 playoff games that year. Doug Gilmore. Ooh. Dave Anderchuk? So you answered twice and you're wrong on both. Oh, really? I'm only going to call it wrong once. Well, Gilmore was the one thing. I really thought. Gilmore and Anderchuk were both oh, wait, in before wait, the season. Wait, they were there wait. for the full year. I know who this is. Yes. So you're wrong, but do you want to you say who it is now? Is it... Um... Donald Aldette. It is. Yeah. So you're you're mm. one here. 0-4-1, oh, I'll say. But yeah. So that's it. We talked about this recently. That's a weird team. They bring in Gilmore at the at a, a separate deadline. And they bring in Dave Anderchuk before the season. So they mm. were there all season. Tough. Okay. And also, you know who else was there? That's a very open-ended question, but who? Dominic Cash, the best goalie. Yeah, I know. History. I know. And then he wasn't there. Anyway. <laughs> that got really dark. Yeah. <laughs> this guy brought in by Darcy Regeer at the deadline had 17 points in 11 regular season games after getting brought in, but then only one point in five playoff games. In what year? No year given. <laughs> he was 
he was incredible. He was actually like their 11th leading scorer, only playing 11 games, but then only 1.5 playoff games. And you're not, wait, are you going in order or no? No, it's just, just, oh, dude. Okay. Um, how many playoff games? Five. That is a hint in itself. No, I know it is. And then, all right. So that's got to be more recent. Hmm. God, um, this is going to be my answer. So it's probably going to be wrong, but like, is it, is it our Shirzy boy? It is, is it not. Pre- no, it's not Brad no, Boyce. No, that's, that's, that's an interesting guess, but it's actually Doug Gilmore. The 2000 trade deadline. They got beaten five. I hate you, Taylor. I just want you to know that. Well, I said, you know, if I was a hint, Brad Boyce played a seven game series, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then Gilmore had a whole year left. And he was not very good that year. And then he trashed Empire uh, Sports and left. And I think he went to Toronto for a second stint. But yeah, they lost mm-hmm. to the Flyers in five games. 0 for 2. Sad. 2003. So now you're going to give me the year? Well, some of these. Okay, the year, some okay, of these okay, okay. Yeah, based on the hint. All right. This guy had 12 points in 14 games for a Sabres team in the midst of the playoffs and then led the team in scoring two of the three seasons after. Yeah, that'd be Danny Briere. That is. I shouldn't have gave you the year on that one. You wouldn't though. have had to. I knew that already. Yeah. I was waiting for him. Yep, for Chris Gratton. Okay. So you're one of three. You can still get At least I three. still said, like, Doug Gilmore. You did. I did you're say right track. I mean, people will hear it. They'll know your guess. It's not like they're just going to hear your score. This guy. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. This guy was brought in at the deadline, traded for a for- former first-round pick. He only had eight points in 20 games after being brought over but was then second and first in scoring the following two years before being cut the year after. Ooh, say that again one more time. So he was brought into the deadline, traded for a former first round pick, only hit eight points in 20 games, but then was second and first in team scoring the following two years before being cut the year after that. Is this, this is like all time Sabres? Or this is, is Darcy Regeer. Oh, Regeer. Right, right, right. Okay. So they were traded for a, for a former first-round pick. Yep. And then they were first and second in scoring, right, for yes. two years, and then were cut? Yes. Whoa. Um, first, no, it wouldn't be... Ooh. Um, God, Taylor, this is a good one. This is a good quiz. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm I'm thinking this has got to be like '90s, like early Regeer, because I can't think of anybody who he would have traded for at a trade deadline post 04 lockout that that would have been applicable to unless I could be totally wrong but or maybe it's not wait okay so maybe maybe it is more recent maybe it's it's late regear um any other hints you can give me 
No, that's all, cool. that's all I got. Cool, cool, cool. You, you have the timeline though, I think, right? So after the he gets traded for a former first overall pick, not overall first round pick, mm-hmm. scores eight points in twenty games. Following season second in scoring, following season first in scoring, following season not good in cut. Oh man, um, God Taylor, this is a. You want to throw an answer here? This is a t- I know, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just like I'm trying to think because like part of me like knows the answer to this, and the other part of me is just I, nothing is popping in my head for a name or a face even. Um, how about? No, it wouldn't be him. No, because I that's that's what's so hard is like I wanna I wanna give an answer to this without just like doing like a half-ass like throw out their name, but I just don't I don't think I I don't think I have it. Um who would have been like a leading scorer for them that they mm. How many, and you can't tell me how many years altogether. Were they only there for three years then? Three years and change. Oh, Jesus. I don't even know, man. I'm say it, just Michael, say it. Michael Grosick. Wow. It's uh, Cody Hodgson. Oh, I am beside myself right now. It was the cut thing that screwed me up because I, I, I wasn't thinking I should have connected cut with the word buyout and that would have ah, yes. completely clicked in my head. But I was thinking who and who the hell would they have even had that would have been so inconsequential that they could have just like cut in training camp. Oh, that's what I, that's what yeah. I was thinking. I was like, what the hell? Like that totally threw me off. That's why I was like, I guess yeah. buying, buying out is a little bit different than cut, just cutting someone. It super is actually. I mean, who can you cut that you can't buy out? Contracts are guaranteed. But that's why I thought if it would have been somebody older that they just like, like if they were, I don't know, had like a cheaper deal if they were like more towards the end of their career or something, or I don't know. still have to buy them out in that case or waive them. Like I said, if the word buyout would have been (laughs) used. You could have asked if they were bought out. I shouldn't have to. (laughs) All right, we have a goalie here. Hey, this goalie appeared in three Stanley Cups for three different teams and played in the first three outdoor games, none of which occurred for the Sabres. What? So, how is that even? He didn't, he played in three different cups for three different teams, none of whom were the Sabres. And he played in three different outdoor games for three different teams, none of whom were the Sabres. The first three. Oh, games. that's what I was like. How would they have played in the first outdoor game, but not? It was. I, I thought you meant like the Sabers weren't involved with it. I was like, what the hell? So that means that they're they were Pittsburgh. Um, a goalie? Who that? I don't. Oh, I know the answer. Ty Conklin. That's right. Yep. 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 See, this I don't know what's gonna be tricky about this, but he played in the first outdoor game, which was not the winter classic, it was the heritage classic. He played oh. for Edmonton, and then he played in the cup for Edmonton. 
I don't know if he actually played for Pittsburgh in the cup, but he was their backup. And then he was a backup for Detroit. Yeah. Calling cup. Oh yeah. Also played in that winter classic. Oh yeah. So you got it. Remember him well. Two for five here. So you're. Yikes. You're getting back on. I should be like. I think you, you can get some of these. I think that both the Cody Hodgson debacle with not using the word buyout coupled with me saying Doug Gilmore won early, that should count for like reducing by like a what half. What do you think someone getting cut means? I'm not going to lie, man. I just was not thinking. Just it, like I said, for whatever reason, cut and buyout just like did not connect in my brain. It probably should have, but I'm still going to blame you for it. This guy. And, well, so why you love me. This guy in 2009 <laughs> was brought at the deadline, disappointed with one goal and three assists for four points in 18 games for a team that missed the playoffs. This is one of five trade deadlines where this guy was traded. Um, how many points? Four points in 18 games. Only one goal. Sabres thought they were going to make a playoff push, and they did not. Also, Miller got hurt at one point that year, and they were using Malim and Michael Telquist. Yeah, which... I want to say Steve Bernier, but he, I thought, scored two goals in his first game. You said one goal, right? Yeah, one goal, three Didn't assists. Didn't he score two in his first game? Can you repeat the entire thing? Just so I yeah, make sure. Yeah, this guy was brought in in 2009, the trade deadline. He had. Oh, like 2009, you said. They did. Oh, dude, I didn't even hear you say a year. Okay, go ahead. Never mind. It's super not Steve Bernier. Okay. Well, I thought we all knew 2009 was the year Michael Telquist got brought in. Very disappointing. I didn't even hear. Uh, no, I know. I, like, like I said, things One aren't goal, registering right assists, now. Michael Telquist, that, that should have connected to. 18 games, one of five deadlines he was traded in. Mm, who else? Would this player remain a Sabre after their deadline acquisition of them? Mm, that's interesting. I didn't write that down. Oh, so interesting. It's not a clue I can give. Hmm. One more time, you said how many points? Four. In how many games? 18. And they didn't end up making the playoffs? Right. Mm. This feels like a defenseman. Was it Jordan Leopold? No, it no. was Dominic Moore. Oh, man. Yep, yep, Dominic Moore. He ended up, I think, going to the Rangers after us, right? Or we got him from the Rangers. One of the two. One like I said, two. five trade deadlines he was trading. Yeah, no, you're right. He's, like, known for that. That's another oversight on my part. Damn. Uh, Not on my A game today. 2000 – well, let's see. Am I going to get the year here? No, but now you know it was after – it was not the 90s. Uh, this guy was brought over as, like, a third-line depth forward type but scored 12 points in 14 games, hmm. seven points in 13 games after the Sabres traded for him from Columbus. Columbus and the Sabres. Mm. 
Elvis Merlincans? Folks, it could be. Um, yeah, I guess so. Probably. Can you say one more time? Yeah. So this guy got brought over uh, to be a, a depth forward type, a third line type, but he had 12 points in 14 games in the regular season. And then he had seven points in 13 playoff games. And okay, so Dinah Zubris? No. Mm. Uh, it is Steve Hines. Ooh, okay. Wow. I was gonna, I didn't think Zubris produced that much, but it was the 13 playoff games. I was like, all right, so they had to have been in multiple rounds, and that's yeah, all right, okay. All right, uh, this guy was brought over at the 04 deadline. A grinder type, he ended up playing 241 games for the Sabres on two different stints for the team. Mike Greer. That's right. Love Mike Greer. Hell yeah. We love Mike Greer on the pod. Yeah, these these other ones, well, they might they might be. Well, let's see. I have a bonus at the end. All right, go ahead. What do we got left? All right, we got more? two more left. Two, two plus the bonus yeah. or including the bonus? Two plus the bonus. The bonus. The bonus. The bonus. <laughs> nice. All right, this guy... He was brought in in 2010. He had zero goals in 18 games, regular season games, plus the playoffs. Zero goals after being brought over at the deadline in 2010. See, a lot of these people I try to just burn from my memory. Why? You don't want to remember like Dominic Moore and Steve Bernier? I don't. I really don't. You did. There's good evidence of this. You burned having a Brad Boys jersey from your memory period that's true see so there's proof of this yeah it took us what like two years before we actually realized that that thing was still in my possession well buried you in, realized buried in my basement i always knew it was real i trust my memory. shut up all right so say all right so we had 2010 zero goals and just no goals just no goals <laughs> and help, oh the reason that, that's important is because he's a forward i you know i thought that would be obvious, yeah but yeah. Uh, oh boy. I wonder how many minutes of the podcast this season has been me going uh, while doing like our, our the quizzes at the end of the episode because probably a lot. Yeah. You could probably make its own episode of me just doing oh, that. Oh man. You know, in the hours you'd have to measure it. Probably maybe days at yeah. that point. All Seriously. right. Anyways, though. Um. Twenty ten deadline zero goals. Mm. Were they brought in to be a scorer? Or are you just not allowed to tell me that one either? I mean, they're four. They should have been scoring at least a goal or two. You know, the twenty ten team did need scoring. Oh man, Taylor, this is killing me right now. I'm embarrassing myself. All right, since you're having a tough time, yeah, I'll give you a hint. Okay. He, two years later in the playoffs for another team, uh, committed attempted murder on Duncan Keith. <laughs> um, I'm just going to keep giving hints until you get it. Yeah, no. He I, later in his career <laughs> had a 50-game suspension for a dirty hit. Oh, my God. What's his name? Um. Oh, my God. 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 Um, oh my God, don't even tell me. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, um, 
dude like was a total scumbag oh my god oh his i have his face in my mind now i know this answer um rocky torres yes there we go god how can i see i tried to burn those eyes out of my system all right last regular question in 2013 sabers are finally real true sellers for the first time in a while and they traded their captain jason pominville for a first round pick second round pick and two prospects who were those two prospects matt hackett Mm -hmm. and uh johan larson that's right yes okay you remember the picks ended up being what minnesota's picks no the picks they traded us first and second oh the first and second what you what draft would it have been the 2014 13 13 would have been i believe we a first that year and a second the year after but anyway was the second the year after somebody ridiculous like like bryson martin or something like they're like um what the hell's the other dude's name you might have this what you might have it really is it actually bryson martin no no no. no. oh um no 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 it's uh it, is it karabach karakalov karabachek karabachek yeah baby all right that's a pretty good one and then the first round pick So the first rounder was in the 2013 draft. Yeah. See, I was initially think because it would have been later. I think that that it, oh, I think it's too late for Mark Pesek. I think Pesek might have been a year or two prior to that. He might be 2010 or 2011 where he He's was 2010. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh boy, Taylor. 2013 draft. Oh. Who did they take? Wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't. Oh, it's not. Is it? No, 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 no. Is it? It's either. I know. I definitely know. It's. I know four people who I could quantify this down to. Gregorenko, Gergensen's, Ristolainen, and Zadorov. It's so, none of them. No, no, no. I'm saying so. Quantify it down, buddy. So that would have meant meant that. Man, uh, this wasn't even part of the questions. What do you mean? I was just, I was just asking. Oh, just remember. asking. Oh, no, it's so okay. The answer is obviously no. You don't remember. So. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, no, I'm, I got this. I think. I'm going to go with it's either Zadorov or Gergensen's. Definitely either Zadorov or Gergensen's, I think, because they were both the second picks in the first round for both of those years. I'm going to go with Zemgis Gergensen's. No, 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 no. Nikita Zadorov. That's Nikita Zadorov. It is Nikita Zadorov. I know that for a fact. It's not Gergensen's. It's Zadorov, right? All right. Yep. (laughs) I'm an idiot. I know that because Gergensen's was obviously the Paul Gostad pick from Nashville. So Nikita Zadorov is the pick. Right. God. All right. Damn it. That was bad. This bonus here uh, to win back points, but not many hints. 
This guy was brought into the deadline. He had zero goals in 17 regular season games, but then had seven goals in the playoffs. In fact, I think he had zero goals in the first round of the playoffs that year. Like a 20-game goal streak or something like that. Heated up seven goals in the playoffs. <sighs> um, damn, this one is tough because I really don't know. Is this a 90s? 90s? Who's to say? Fair. All right. Um, I honestly don't know. So I'm going to just take a shot in the dark. Is this Stu Barnes? Let's go! Folks. 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 That's right. So listen. Let's go. How, let's go, Taylor. That that's that whole stretch there where he didn't score as a saber from February until like I think the second round is that whole time RJ was just waiting to do the mm-hmm. way elongated version of his name, like the stoop. And he couldn't. The it whole was, time because he, he was score. ready. He's probably trying to do that on an assist or like a really like heady pass out of the zone. <laughs> it just no. wasn't hitting. No. Wow. I'm pumped that I got that. I feel like that was redeem, like redeemed me a little bit. Yes. God, I can't believe that, that I even, I see, this is the thing. I'm off my game today. I, I know in my soul that Zemkis Gergensen's was a result of the Paul Gostad trade. So. And another trade to move up. Right. Right. Yeah. He's the great job. God, just horrible. All right. What did I end up doing? Getting on that? Uh, 10 out of 10. Cause you got the bonus. Wow. I stopped keeping track. I did it. Felt mean. That's <laughs> rude. I definitely had like five, if you consider. Well, since you want to, let's, let's. Well, let's no, I do want to know because are you going to count Larson and Hackett too? Yeah, I should be. That counts. The thing is with Torres, I gave you like ten hints. That's okay. We'll do like a half. Uh, you got Greer. Yep. And then you got Briere. Yeah. And you got Conklin. Did I get another one too? No. Well, I got Stu. So that's six. Wait, hold on. Well, Hackett and Larson are one. That's BS. <laughs> it's one question. Doesn't matter. Two different players. All right, then it's uh, six for 12. Masterful. 50%. I'll take that. Yeah. For an off day. Like, uh, <laughs> Brendan's uh, chemistry test in high school. But like a 50 back <laughs> wow. then, that counted as like, it's like an 87 for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, damn, I got a, I got like a 60 and a 35 on my two tests. I got a... <laughs> Six or seven out of ten on all my quizzes, but I did all my lab reports and did the homework. So for some reason, I got a 94. Yeah, it class. works, man. Like, what? Shout out to everyone that took chemistry at Timon, I guess. Doug Bowers. And then we all did bad on the Regents. It was, what was that about? <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about that. It's not like the, entire, the entirety of our chemistry class was pretty much just our teacher fighting with like students, just like hurling insults at each other. Yeah, it seemed like it was a lot of it. Everybody's class was like that, where you had the one person that would just like, throw insults at that dude just because they knew he was just waiting for it and he wanted to just like pretty much say he could kick your ass or something like that or talk about yeah Vietnam. how he fought in the big one yep. yeah or he just would be like just whining about how we don't have enough time to learn but then he would just stand on his computer and get confused about how to do the slideshow and attendance <laughs> would you agree that 
he in other than people who would say no he's gonna know it. would you agree though that of all of the people that you have seen in real life he is the closest resembling to like a poorly drawn cartoon character yeah yeah oh yeah big absolutely. time big time i remember i i think i don't know if my parents bought me a like a, like a chemistry like regents prep book or like how i came into possession of it but i was looking at it, i remember like six weeks before the exam and i was like damn i don't know any of this <laughs> this is terrible isn't it great now that we can look back <laughs> all that time wasted in that class and i remember none of it i uh there's nothing tangible that I can take from that class being like, oh, you know what I learned in chemistry? You know, just the stories. Just the stories. That's right. Any, any last thoughts to share on anything NHL related before we get into our, our picks for the week? Uh, I don't, you know what? I'm going to, I know we talked, I think we talked about this last episode, but I'm going to say this again because of how insane it is and because JT Brown just sounded off on it. It is insane the NHL is going to make the Canucks play their last, oh. all, make up their, all of their games. They have 19 games to play in 30 or 31 days. The 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 dumbest, the absolute dumbest. Why? It makes no sense. How are you even going to do that? There's no way. You don't even yeah. know whether they're going to be good to go. Apparently, they're good-ish to go on Friday, which oh, is God. the day after listening to this. But they're going to be missing quite a few guys, the way we were. Right. Except that, like, apparently, they a lot of them got it worse. The Brazilian variant they got, and also like it they. They're planning to start the playoffs at like what May 18th or whatever. Yeah. They got to get this kind of over with. And the Canucks are like done. This is all for their their media obligations, like their broadcast obligations, mm-hmm. I should say, TV and radio. But like the Canucks are done, right? Like they're they're like eight or nine points behind the Canadians right now. Like, and I, I say that the Canadians are barely ahead of them in games played. They're playing again tonight, but like whatever. Like when the Canadians and them were tied in games played, the Canadians had like eight more points it's over Mm -hmm. they're not catching them and now they're all coming back from being sick we remember what that looks like not good insane definitely not good all right let's do our uh our recommendation so we could go watch the avalanche and the blues play yeah oh is that no that can't be a recommendation because it'll have happened it will already have happened wow hold on i'm gonna pull out my uh do mine first like yeah yeah i have have mine first i'm gonna do an album again this week uh gonna go back to doing like uh alternative rock band uh they're actually i don't know how really to quantify them but the band is called crumb and the album is self-titled it is also called crumb um they're a really cool female fronted band uh a lot of really catchy kind of like lo-fi sounding songs. Uh, my favorite song of theirs is a really, really good song called Lock It. Uh, really cool production value on the album. The lead singer is really cool, has good lyrics. The music is really good. Um, like I said, it's kind of like an alt lo-fi kind of thing, but it, it works really well. So if you're looking for some new tunes, go check out Crumb. It's like like crumbs from a food, but singular. A crumb, just wow. crumb. Well, the Oscars are coming up. Ooh. Yeah. So Wanna I watch think, together? Sure. Okay. I might try to see some of the movies before they come on. I'm not watching the terrible Aaron Sorkin movie. Like, no way. Uh, the one <laughs> oh, movies I actually man. did see last year when it came out, I think the day it came out was Mank. I don't remember if I've talked about this in recommendations yet. I don't think I have because it would have come out like last October. Uh, great movie. A Fincher movie. Mm. Great director starring, uh, creating his name. Already right now. Aaron Sorkin? No, here's the thing. You're going to know his name because he's Jim Gordon in Batman. 
Oh yeah, I love him. He's in like a hundred things, man. He's no, I know he's in a lot of things. Oh my god, I'm forgetting his name. Hold on, I'm forgetting it as well. Um, he was in something recently. I found out that I was like, what the hell? Like he was, he won Best Actor like two years ago for the Dark Darkest Hour. Uh, and it doesn't say his name. Oh, it's Gary Oldman. Jesus Christ, how am I forgetting Gary Oldman's name? Anyway. Amanda Seyfried's in it as well. She's incredible. It's basically about, it's an alternative theory on the making of Citizen Kane and how that came together, but also about this writer from the 1930s in Hollywood named Herman J. Mankiewicz. He was a drunk. He made, you know, a lot of enemies, but also some, you know, wrote some really great stuff, really interesting life he had. And then, you know, when he was not even that old, actually, I mean, Gary Oldman's like 65 years old or whatever, but like Mank was only like 40 when he did that which i guess is the 1940s version of being 65 <laughs> and he got co-writing credit on citizen kane which you know as we know people consider the best movie ever with orson wells which was interesting because wells like people thought of him as like an odd more than an auteur like he controlled really everything he started in the movie he uh, quote-unquote co-wrote it and directed it and did like everything but this movie posits that maybe he didn't co-write it. Maybe he paid Mank and Mank later insisted that he wanted credit. Now it's discredited by a lot of people. I think it's whatever, but I think it, this particular screenplay was written by David Fincher's dad. Mm. So anyway, I thought it was really good in a lot of ways. It partially talks about like the, the Upton Sinclair election in California, which oh, is wow. very interesting. If you've never heard about it, it's basically like an open communist running for governor and almost won. And the studio system in Hollywood is really what was his downfall. Very interesting. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Great movie. I kind of hope it wins Best Picture because I've seen a couple of the other movies and I haven't been too impressed. But I should say I'm going to say Judas and the Black Messiah and Miniari as soon as I can. Ooh, we should watch that together because I've been meaning to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Her has like a couple songs in that movie and she is amazing and awesome. And also that cast is great too. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith. Uh, Keith Stanfield yeah Keith Stanfield yeah who is only in good movies you know that only only in good movies you know what is actually a funny Gary Oldman fact that I have about me it took many many years for me to realize that he because I may I I mainly knew him as like Jim Gordon from the Dark Knight trilogy and I know he's been in a ton of other stuff too and I knew him from a lot of his other movies it took years before I connected that he also was serious black in Harry Potter oh yeah he doesn't really look like himself you know like yeah. it's it's the long hair i just i and i don't care if i'm exposing myself on that because like i just legitimately just did not put Sirius that together Black in the movies is barely in it though that's that's another thing. well yeah i mean he's pretty prominent in a couple of them though yeah especially the third one well, yeah yeah you know we should try and think about this sometime because I think this is fascinating. And actually anybody listening, feel free to like respond because I always think that this is like a really funny topic. Who is an actor that you know from a role, but you knew like he's in another movie that you knew really well, but you had no idea it was that actor. Like similar to what I was just saying. I feel like on this Harry Potter thing, people probably don't know Voldemort is Ralph Fiennes, who is in a ton of stuff and is a, very famous he's in some uh Wes Anderson stuff I know he's in the Grand Budapest Hotel he's pretty much a star great actor but he doesn't look like it because he looks like an evil snake person you know son of a bitch but that's a good idea though we should uh maybe think about that it probably happens you know in old movies I mean this guy so I will admit this is like low-key happening to me again right now but this is not he's I mean I know him but he's not somebody that 
is as recognizable, I guess, as like Gary Oldman. I'd be like, oh yeah, like wow, that's really crazy. But I honestly did not realize that that was him. Makes sense. That dude's face is perfect for that. Just remove the nose and you got Voldemort pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely better. There's really good examples of this, but I can't think of any right now of just like what you're talking about. Like, oh, that's that guy. We should, we should figure this out. If anybody at home listening right now or wherever you are listening, if you have had that happen with an actor, what actor and what movies were they in? Because I am fascinated by this actor, act, actress, anybody. I, even it could be people who like, if you're a musician or something and then you acted a movie and you didn't realize it was them. I'm, I just think this is like such a funny, fascinating thing. Yeah, this is a little bit of a different thing, but in the movie Us, uh, I, I love I saw I watched the preview so many times because it was so good. Like the preview was awesome, mm-hmm. the trailer. And I did not pay attention to the other family at all, very much. The white, the white family, I guess that's a way to put it, good way to put it. Like you see the guy coming in the boat in the preview, and I'm like, I just mentally the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's Ike Barinholtz, cool. I like him. I didn't pay attention to the wife. And I started mm-hmm. seeing the movie and I was like, huh, Elizabeth Moss is Ike Barinholtz's wife. And then what? he shows up and I was like, wait, that's Tim Heidecker. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> oh, no not Ike Barinholtz at all. I just I watched the trailer so many times I didn't even realize it. And that was wow. the biggest twist of the movie. That's yeah, right. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. So who's your? But you know what? Uh, I have another one. Oh, back. go ahead. It's Jordan Peele wavelength. Uh, wow. Am I going to forget another very famous actor's name? Dang. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not looking it up right now. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, it's just we don't have this on video no, right now no, for it's me not to, to share. <laughs> See, I know who this guy is because he's incredibly annoying on Twitter. Get out. Oh my God, Bradley Whitford? Yeah, yeah Bradley he's Whitford. In... He's unbelievably annoying. But West it's... Wing, Parks and Rec. And? And of course, Billy, Billy Madison. Madison. Yes, he's I the villain. I never would have guessed that. I don't, uh, so he plays in real, in real life, he's he, actually oh both wow. the guy from the West Wing and the dad from Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really funny. And he's like the most annoying person. I know of, I think I know of two people that have said this about Bradley Whitford, where they like knew him from like Parks and Rec or something. And then they go back and watch Billy Madison and are like, what the hell? Like crazy stuff. And it's also funny too. I haven't seen a ton of other things with him in it, but he has like this weird thing where like his character in Billy Madison and then his character in the West Wing are kind of opposites, but have this like, arrogance to them both that prevails in both characters even though the personalities are like totally the opposite and i had watched the west wing like actually like sat down and watched it as an adult obviously well after the fact because when it was on it was you know late 90s into the early 2000s and uh back then i mean i didn't like really put it together but when i re-watched it it was re- it took probably about a season or so of getting adjusted to the fact that this is not actually the dude from Billy Madison. Like he's supposed to be a good person. Yeah. I, just, I just kept thinking like that the shoe was going to drop and he <laughs> was going to come out as like an asshole in it, but he ends up being good the whole time. Wow. So another one, this is only kind of similar, but I was watching an HBO documentary. It's like eh, maybe last year it came out. It's called showbiz kids. It's about child actors and what happens to them. Wow. And the guy who made it, I didn't realize was a former, I shouldn't say child, but like a young person actor. I was looking at him and I was like, he looks like an older version of someone I should recognize. And I, like halfway through, they kind of drop. It's like, oh, it's Alex Winter, who is oh my and Ted's excellent adventure. And I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen you in anything since then. And he, hey, they just rebooted it. 
That's right. Yep. They're well not they made a, a third sequel. Movie, third yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Who's I, your random saber? Stu Barnes. Stu Barnes. He was gonna be mine too. Wow. I always love those episodes where we end on the we didn't we have that last week actually? I think we did. We're on wow. streak. Now. God damn it, Taylor. So in love. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, on that note, everybody, thank you all very much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As you heard at the top of this episode, this episode and all of our recent episodes and the episodes through the rest of the season are going to be presented by DraftKings. So make sure you are hitting up DraftKings and using promo code THPN for whatever betting you are doing if you're into that. And make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network, who we are partnered with them through. We are actually right now in the middle of another Jersey giveaway. So if you don't already, go follow us on Twitter at Straight Sabres, and you'll see in our recent tweets, which you probably pin it actually, but uh, we're doing another Jersey giveaway where the premise is each of the 31 Hockey Podcast Network shows is up for contention with this. And whoever ends up having the most retweets on their original tweet gets to pick the winner. So go retweet that tweet. Make sure you're following us and the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. And you are entered in to win a chance to win a brand new jersey. And to be honest, even though we are the Sabres show, you don't necessarily, I've learned, have to get a Sabres jersey. If you want to get somebody else, you totally can. You just got to retweet it. So for what it's worth, don't retweet anybody else because we're the ones who are picking. But like, throw us that retweet. If you're a Sabres fan, but you're like, you know what? I want to get a San Jose Sharks reverse retro jersey. You can do that. You can do whatever you want. So make sure you're following us, like I said, on Twitter at Straight Sabres. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. Hockey Podcast Network across the board is at HockeyPodNet on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you're also checking out all of our fellow shows as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. And also make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics as we are now only, what, like two weeks out? A little bit over two weeks from the time, or actually, no, it'll be two weeks from the time people are listening to this, the NFL draft, right? Yep. So very close. That is approaching. Taylor, out of curiosity, are you in favor or against the idea of the Bills using their first round pick on a running back? Obviously, specifically like Najee Harris. Whatever Brandon Bean does is right. I like that answer. Not often you could say that for a general manager of a Buffalo sports team. That's right. And even if he's wrong, uh, I don't care. They're going to be good. So what you, do I care about their draft? You picks? know who's always right, though? Ooh. Buffalo Fanatics. So you should go check them out, everybody, and make sure you're look, look, ah, looking them up on your respective streaming platform of choice and on social media as well. They are also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But if you follow us, we'll make it easy on you. We always include them and their handles in our tweets and posts on each of the respective social media platforms. And also make sure you're following us on our personal social medias. You could find us on Twitter. You can find myself at Brendan1423. And you could find Taylor at Nigrelli93. And if you follow Straight Straight Up Sabres, it'll be easy because our handles are in the bio. So without further ado, thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it. We will be back with a new episode on Monday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. This has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres.